1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, November 12th, and that means this is your serviceable and intriguing waiver wire pickups episode. We will hit some familiar names who are strangely still widely available in fantasy leagues. We get our first long-awaited Frank the Tank sighting of the season and much more coming up. I am joined by the author of the waiver wire column on NBC Sports Edge, Jonas Nader, and Steve Alexander, who is... If you're watching with us on video, not in his attic, Steve, this is quite jarring what is happening right now.
2: It's disturbing, right, that I'm not in the attic? Yes, this is upsetting. There's, like, white walls behind me instead of wood. Yeah. It's strange. I, I was on the road when I realized that I had a podcast to, to do today, so I'm, I'm at a, uh, some friends' house. Wow. They were kind enough to get off their computer and let me have it.
1: Yeah. Anyone listening, just know that there was an incredible... Uh, Incredible effort to get Steve here today. Uh, he, he basically, I think, swerved off the highway and found the nearest house and happened to know someone in that house and is set up and ready to go in time. So incredible, incredible stuff. Uh, Jonas, the waiver wired column went up on Friday morning and somehow, some way, despite your efforts, despite our efforts, Devin Vassell remains rostered in only 26% of Yahoo leagues as of this taping. Despite being a guy who, as we've discussed, can he get you some points, steals, threes, even the occasional block, how and why is this man still available in so many fantasy leagues?
3: Yeah, I have to go back and look, but I think he went down from last week, did he not? Like I think he was closer to thirty percent last that week and now right. all of a sudden he has a great week and he's down again. I don't get it. Yeah. It makes no sense. Yeah.
1: Uh give us the latest on, on what he's been up to.
3: Right. And I think it's pretty telling that I have him number one on this list despite having two games this week. He's the Spurs are the only team with two games this week. And Vassel is number one for a reason, right? Um, he's been their third best player apart from DeJounte Murray and Jakob Hurtle. And I want to know what the heck is wrong with Derek White. He's been awful. Like, there could be a situation here where the, the Popovich says, hey, let's get Vassell in the starting lineup next to DeJounte Murray. It makes more sense on paper because Vassell's a better defender and he's a better shooter, right? I think it makes some sense. So only playing 26.6 minutes per game right now. If he gets to 32 and 33, and, and the big takeaway here for me is Popovich said two days ago that the next step for Vassal is aggression on offense. So that means more usage, more shots. And this is a player who shot 42% from deep and 50% from the field in November alone. So he's doing it all on the stat sheet. I'm excited about him. The only thing he doesn't really bring is assists because they haven't really put him in that position yet. But maybe they do. So I'm excited about him.
2: Yeah. I'm uh, back to Derek White for a second. He's been terrible. I had him in my lineup with Kelly Olynyk or with with, uh, Kelly Oubre on the bench on Wednesday, and that was uh, Kelly Oubre's 37 point jam. So that was painful. I think Derek White's hit like one of his last 16 shots or something. He's Mm -hmm. been really bad for two games, but outside of those two games, he he was doing okay. So I'm hoping it's just a little flutter. He he's going to bounce back and be fine. But uh, one more really bad game from him, and I think it might be time to hit the panic button. Like, I I can't see me dropping Derek White anytime soon. But, no. And, and back to, back, back to Vassell, like, he's just a really good all-around basketball player. And, and his steals are the key to what he does. And you know, if Derek White con- continues to struggle, then Vassell could really take off.
1: Yeah, White is 5 for 30 in his last three games. Before that, the numbers were pretty good. So hearing you guys say how awful he's been makes me want to go out and send some... Buy low offers on Derek White.
2: Now, I think I think one reason that the numbers are down on him on Vassal and m- maybe other Spurs is because they only play two games next week, uh-huh. and half the league plays four times. So yeah. when a guy plays two games and you have to make a move, and if Devin Vassell is the worst guy on your roster, that you know that's who you cut. So it kind of makes sense why the why the numbers are down on him right now, but. Keep in mind, the Spurs are one of the teams that play five games. Uh, That's December 6th, which is not that far away. So I would try to hang in there with your Spurs if you can.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just looking at Vassell's season numbers, 1.83s, 1.3 steals, 0.6 blocks. I think this guy's around top 100 overall in nine-category leagues. So for me, he's a guy who should be on your roster regardless of schedule, and I think that's the point. That uh, Yeah, he's 67th in his last five as well. Yeah, all right, so uh, I did not think we'd see the day. I alluded to this earlier, but here we are. Frank the Tank, Kaminsky is back. I don't know if he was ever here yeah. in the first place, uh, but either way, Jonas, make the case for uh, adding Kaminsky.
3: Yeah, here we are. Like The first time I noticed Frank Kaminsky was going off was when I looked at my Fanduel lineup and I saw that like 80% of people had Kaminsky in their fantasy lineup. Yeah. I was like, okay, speaker's kind of out in this guy, so he's playing big minutes. He can play the four and the five, Uh, I don't know if you guys heard after the Portland game, but Monty Williams just talked about Frank Kaminsky for, like, four minutes. Like, he was talking about big time. He was saying how bad he was in the bubble and just how glad he is that he responded this year and stepped up without Aiden. And by the way, do you guys even know what's going on with Aiden? I have no idea. Like, it was supposed to be, like, a bone bruise, and now he's out three games and definitely a 4th there There's been no update from the Suns. Like, this is concerning. You're talking about a seven-footer with a lower leg injury? Like, something fishy is going on here. So I'm adding – Kaminsky, he was at 11% two days ago. Now he's at 19% rostered, so still widely available. Had a 31-point game and just went off in his last three, so I'm adding him just because I don't know what's going on with Aiden, right? Yeah, and you guys don't want
2: to hear this, but the Suns play four times in each of the next two weeks, so that is also a plus for Kaminsky. I picked him up in a couple leagues where I just needed a warm body. The fact is he's fifth-round value on Basketball Monster. And that's that's over the course of the whole season. So, yeah, his his ridiculous what thirty one point game or whatever that was yeah. certainly helped that. And and Aiton being out also helps that. But you just got to ride Frank the tank until he uh, until he breaks down. I think
1: mm-hmm. I'm with you though, Jonas. Without knowing anything, the Ayton mysterious leg injury, as you put it in your column, is a little unnerving. Hopefully, it's not anything serious. And the, the Suns have just been not good about you know, providing updates, but I agree a, a little bit unnerving at the very least.
3: Yeah. And one more thing to add to is the Suns have used a, a lot of small ball lineups. Like when Aiden gets back, there's a chance that they maybe reduce Jay Crowder's role a little bit, maybe Cam Johnson's a little bit as well, and give him the, the role that Dario Sarich had last year, which is like some minutes to four and five and possibly over 24 minutes per game. Like that would mean the longevity is there for Frank. So we'll have to see.
2: And that's another thing. Darius Sarich is out for indefinitely. So he's gone. Aiton's mysterious. I like the way Jonas said uh, something fishy's going on here. There's a conspiracy happening. It has to do with DeAndre Aiton's leg injury.
1: Next on your list, Jonas is one Davion Mitchell for the season. He's hovering around the top 200. So if you look at his season long numbers, you're not going to be impressed. But as you wrote, he has been better than that lately. Tell us the story.
3: Yeah, twelve point seven points, five dimes, three point seven rebounds, and one point five triples in his last, I think it was six games I wrote. And that includes like his worst game of the season, too. So like there's still upside for more. Um the steals and blocks haven't been there, but you guys have seen him on defense. Like mm-hmm. he's a beast. It's he's kind of have that Lou Dort effect where he's just all over the court defensively, but it hasn't really translated to steals and blocks just yet. But I do think they come. Like he's too good not to. Eventually he'll stumble into some. But yeah, I like David Mitchell a lot. Kings love their three-point their three guard lineups. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been weirdly off this year, so Mitchell's uses are going to remain high, so I like them. I think this is the time to add them for sure. I really
2: thought that we were going to get a full Davion Mitchell breakout the other night when Tyrese Halliburton was out, but mm-hmm. Buddy Heald was did not play well, and Davion was quiet in that game. I think that was the game where, where De'Aaron Fox was the only Sacramento King that showed up for that entire game. Like There was chaos in Sacramento after the game that – the TV guys are like, they didn't even try. Like, what is going on? Like, nobody on this team cares. Marvin Bagley won't go in the game, but Davian Mitchell, uh, <laughs> you know, he's got a good attitude. He's he he's a lot like Devin Vassell, I think. He's he's a guy that does a little bit of everything, and it's not going to take much for him to get a boost. I, th- I think he's he's only going to get better as the season goes on.
1: Uh, by the way. I know we're here to talk waivers, but just since you mentioned De'Aaron Fox, those who stayed patient with him through the alarming early season, I think we're finally starting to see the guy that you drafted. He had a season-high 37 on Wednesday, and his last four games, he's sitting around 25 points per game, shooting 47 from the field and 82 from the line, so very encouraging signs. We're not quite there. The assists are still a little low, 5.5 over that stretch, but he's getting steals, blocks, shooting it better, so I think the De'Aaron Fox we hope for is uh, starting to walk through the door, so that's very good news And, uh, meanwhile, you also wrote about Josh Hart, a guy we talked about last week who might be available. You know, we talked, why is Devin Vassell available, uh, in reading your waiver wire column, Jonas, it seems like Josh Hart might be available because of a low minutes total on Wednesday, which doesn't look good, but actually doesn't tell the whole story.
3: Yeah. The only issue with Hart is he's mostly spooked up. He just qualified for this list. So he's still out there in a few shallower leagues, but Brandon Ingram, like, when is he going to return? Like he's been questionable six times in a row, zero update from the Pelicans, Uh, Zion Williamson is probably out for the next 17 years, uh, right? From what we know, we we saw him in warmups, couldn't even move on the court. That was honestly sad to watch. Um, Nowhere close. So Hart is locked in for big minutes, and he is quite honestly the best rebounder at the guard position this year. So we're talking about eight, nine boards a game sometimes. Oddly enough, he hasn't had many steals this year, but in previous years, he was over one. So I'm optimistic there. Uh, and just sheer hustle staff, because the Pelicans have no one else, right? They have Herbert Jones, who's strictly a defender. Uh, Garrett Temple, who, God bless him, can't move anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I love Josh Hart for that reason. He's he's basically their second take commander besides Jonas Valanciunas.
2: Well, and the, the Pelicans play four games in three the next three weeks in a row. So that's awesome for Josh Hart. Josh Hart is also a guy where I don't feel like he's a real shutdown candidate, whereas Jonas Valanciunas is totally a shutdown candidate. Brandon Ingram, if he's not healthy, they'll shut him down. I mean, the Pelicans won one game this season, and they are going nowhere. And I drafted Zion in like two or three leagues. Luckily, I'm somehow surviving in those leagues and actually doing well. But, man, I I thought there was a chance we were going to see him, you know, at Christmas, but it's not looking good at all. So at some point, you have to think they're going to throw in the towel. And when that happens, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, those guys are going to go crazy. So yeah. I think it's a good time to pick up Josh Hart.
1: And if you're looking at Josh Hart, if you're someone who clicks on game logs before you make your waiver wire pickups, you'll see that he only played 15 minutes on Wednesday as Jonas, as you wrote, he got ejected. So that's the reason for that. In his last five games before that, he was around 14 and a half points, seven boards, nearly three dimes, 1.4 threes. The percentages are good. Not getting defensive stats. And I don't think we expect a lot there, but maybe as the season goes on he can creep closer to one steal per game which would add even more to his fantasy appeal.
3: Yeah, if you're in a deep league, I think the Pelicans are the team to watch because when they start sitting guys randomly like the Thunder did last year, like there's going to be some guys that come up from the G League and start putting up numbers for this team. This is how bad they are. Like this is a team to watch. Like even their their point guards like you have your young point guard on the team Kira Lewis who yep. can be playing 30 minutes in uh-huh. two months from now. So these are the kind of guys you got to be watching for, on these uh, bottom of the barrel teams
1: one of Steve's favorite waiver wire guys Darius Bazley still available in a lot of leagues still qualifies for your column Jonas 34% roster what have you seen from Bazley lately
3: yeah if you guys watched him in the last two weeks you'll notice a, a very obvious trend he is not forcing up these Dylan Brooks 28 foot <laughs> fadeaways uh, three seconds into the shot o'clock so <laughs> actually starting to play within himself that's absolutely huge for him because he honestly was one of the most erratic players of the last year and a half he mm-hmm. thought he was I don't know Josh Smith out there just chucking up thirty-five footers. I oh, don't know, but he's starting to play within himself. The defensive numbers this year are way up compared to last. That's really what I really wanted to see: one point two steals and 0.7 blocks in his last six games. There's still upside for more. He's hitting one point eight triples, and he's not killing you from the field either. He's forty-six percent. Like I'll take that. Uh, still not a good free throw shooter, but he's that's low volume, so it doesn't really matter to me. But, yeah, uh, their coach has really been talking him up. I'm all in on Basley. I think he's a great late-round player with more upside. And if you watch him play,
2: if you, like, sit down and watch the game, he's so active Mm -hmm. and so involved on both ends of the court for that team, and he's really going after rebounds. I mean, he's just a hustle guy. And I I like the way you mentioned him with Dylan Brooks because Raf and I on Thursday, yesterday, talked about Dylan. We were talking about Dylan Brooks. I'm like, you know, fantasy people – don't really respect Dylan Brooks or Darius Baisley that much, but I kind of like their game. They're mm. welcome on my team any day, but Baisley ab- appears to me and it sounds like the Jonas. He's really taken a step forward and, you know, I I'm anxious to see what he does like throughout the season in the second half. Cause he's, he's going to get better. The longest field goal ever attempted
0: is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
3: Four. those are numbers but you already knew that if you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car use kelly blue book my wallet on auto trader they're really good at numbers auto trader
1: okay meanwhile nikola vucevic is in the protocols so he is going to miss some time jonas who are you targeting from chicago
3: uh, believe it or not, I, I picked up Tony Bradley in a few leagues. I'm either going to get laughed at or people are going to be like, whoa, that's actually pretty impressive. So it's a big swing here. But he's the starting center by default because he's the only big man left on the roster right now. So I did know that they, have, that they have a few more players that I'm watching. Elise Johnson, who's a stat machine if he gets minutes, he's mm-hmm. is an out of the rotation. Javante Green, just pure minutes and hustle stats. And Derek Jones Jr. for – 2.5 blocks for 36 minutes this season. So keep those three guys on your watch list. But Tony Bradley, I calculated this per 24-minute stat line because there's no there's no way this guy plays 36 minutes. So I discounted that stat completely. So per 24 minutes, he's at 10.1 points, 9 rebounds, 1 dime, and 1.2 blocks. I mean, what's not to like there? Field goal percentage is high. It's at 65%. Free throw percentage is not great, but it's very, very low volume. So Tony Bradley, we're looking at a 10 a uh, day window here, at least, right? We don't we don't know what's going on with the protocols. Uh, there's a small chance it was a false positive, un- unless you guys have heard Vucevic was symptomatic or something like that. I haven't heard anything about that, but I think there's a 10 day window window for Bradley here, and he's only rostered in five percent of leagues as I wrote last night.
2: Timing wise, this is perfect because I set a Fanduel lineup at the crack of dawn this morning, and Tony Bradley is my center, and Elise Johnson is my power forward. And I think the, both of those guys are going to play a lot of minutes. I don't know. I really don't know how good they are. Uh, we're going to, we're about to find out. And so I'm especially going to find out if I don't change this lineup before tonight, <laughs> I think I will run at least one lineup that has both of them in it just to see what happens. And, and another guy that I've got in that lineup is Isaiah Stewart because Kelly olynyk has gone in Detroit. I know I just changed the subject on y'all, but uh beast should start going crazy without Olynyk mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah.
1: Alizé Johnson, by the way, you guys may recall, uh, famously, at least to me, had a couple of huge stat lines for Brooklyn last year when they were shorthanded. He had a 23.15 rebound game in March, and then in late April, he had a 20.21 rebound game. So when given minutes, the man can put up some serious numbers, a little unclear how many minutes he's going to earn uh, in the near future. Yeah,
2: And now I know how to say his name,
3: so thanks, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he could actually play some backup center too. They actually tried him there the first game of the season too. So yeah, at least Johnson. The only, the only question is, does he actually get minutes because he hasn't gotten them lately? So right. that's the question. If, if we knew right now that he was getting 24 minutes, he'd probably be honestly uh, a spot up from Josh Hart because he's that good stat wise.
1: Right. Uh, I have a few names that I noticed that weren't in your column, Jones. I want to quickly run those past you guys, but sure. also um, we're not going to hit everyone in your column, but of guys that we haven't mentioned yet, anyone you feel strongly about getting onto the podcast here?
3: Hmm. I'm going to go Jeff Green for availability alone. Okay. Because like only 4% roster. That means you can get him in a very deep league. Now, I wouldn't necessarily put him in my top 150 right now, but I think he's close. Played an average of 31 minutes in his last two games. Um. According to Dr. Malone, Michael Porter Jr. is out. I wrote this in column two for either one day to 17 <laughs> years because he has no idea what he's talking about. I don't know why Malone gives updates on players. He's never right. Um, so we know nothing about Michael Porter Jr. We should just throw that out there now. We know nothing. <laughs>
1: uh, Dr. Malone. Yeah. By the way, Jeff Green. It's it warms my heart to see him having like a burst of fantasy relevance for the 29th consecutive year. This is. Really yeah. something, the longevity of this man, 35 years old, still getting it done. Steve, also, for unknown reasons, just texted me. We have to talk Boucher. I don't know why we're in the same podcast room. You could just say it, Steve. Just bring it up, man. You want to talk Chris Boucher? Let's do it. We got a couple minutes to do that. I would rather text someone than talk to them. Okay. So can I start texting well, you, on the podcast? I, yeah, how about you text me your, your remarks on a player and I'll read them? Does that sound like a good way to do it? <laughs> um. Chris Boucher, man, I don't even know. I don't
2: know why I want to talk about him because I don't even know. I, I can't even wrap my head around Chris Boucher right now. Uh, he finally got minutes last night. He finally had a good stat line. Is it, what, 17 points and some boards and, like, mm-hmm. 24 minutes? Like, I don't know why Nick Nurse cannot stand Chris Bosh, but it's really frustrating. And we saw this last year. You know, Bosh should have <laughs> – why am I saying Bosh? Boucher would, have, <laughs> Boucher would have like three good games in a row and then the wheels would fall off and nurse puts him back on the bench and he plays 12 minutes a night for the next week. So he's really frustrating to roster. A lot of people dropped him because he hit rock bottom the game before he decides to go off. So if he's sitting out there, I think like Jonas said last week or the week before He's got more talent than almost any guy sitting on the waiver wire. So Boucher should still be on rosters. I think he's, what, 60-something uh, rostered right now. But, uh, you know, I'm sure impatient people like me and others dropped him. And if he's sitting out there, I think you should pick him up.
1: Chris Boucher, not Bosch. Yeah, I was going to say, it was worth it to talk about Boucher to hear you slip up again because I actually thought we had fixed that glitch last time, but apparently it's back. It's not fixed. The software up- upgrade we did did not go through. <laughs> He has an expiring contract for
3: $7 million. Like, you're telling me teams aren't looking at this around the league and saying, this is a guy on an expiring contract who's not getting any run for Toronto. Like, if I'm Dallas Mavericks right now and I see Boucher just sitting the bench in Toronto, I'm making a call. Like, Mavericks don't have a reliable big man outside of Rzingas who is never healthy. Maxi Cleaver's not that great. Uh, Dwight Powell is arguably one of the worst players I've ever seen. So why not bring in Boucher if you're Dallas, right? There's other teams that are in the same situation. I think Boucher is going to get moved because Nick Nurse clearly does not like him, as Doc said many times. So you got to hold on to him. He's that good.
1: Quickly, a few other names I noticed, as I mentioned I'm almost hesitant to bring this one up, but I'm going to do it anyways. The Clippers have won six straight heading into the weekend, and I couldn't help but notice that Eric Bledsoe had a big game on Thursday, 21 points, even had three blocks. He has seven steals in his last four games, 36% rostered. I mean, I know in general, in the broad arc of this guy's career, he's not as exciting as he was. We're kind of down on him as a fantasy option, but at what point, Jonas, does he become intriguing? I mean, we're talking about around four assists, 1.7 steals, 0.8 blocks on the season, It's there's a little bit of intrigue here, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had my finger on the drop button several times. I'm not going (laughs) to lie, but the Clippers have won six straight games. They've turned their season around. That means they're going to keep being competitive. They're not going to go give Bledsoe minutes to younger players now, right? Clippers are finally competitive, uh, and Bledsoe he he wasn't going to shoot four of thirty eight every game, right? Eventually, the shots were going to start falling. Uh, And they are. And he kept his value alive during that cold stretch with steals and blocks. Like we're talking ROCO level steals and blocks here. So he really held his value when the shot wasn't falling. And now that it is, you saw what happened uh, last night. 21 points, two threes, 56% shooting. So if you hung in there, congrats. It was a rough stretch, but looks like he's back.
2: You know, NBC Sports Edge uh, Premium has this tool in DFS called the Optimizer and it optimizes. It puts together your DFS lineup for you. And they were all about. They were all about him yesterday. And I had him in my lineup. And and that I think I scored a ton of points, won some money. And you know I'm with you uh, Bledsoe's going to play for them. Him and Reggie Jackson like are two guys that we should not be talking about this year, but we are. Like they're playing well, and I'm in for both
1: of them. Lou Dort. We mentioned his name earlier. I don't know that we need to say a lot here. He's 40% rostered, so technically over the threshold, but did drop a season high 27 on Wednesday. We saw him go on a serious heater late last year. So this is a guy that I'm at least watching closely right now. The downside is he really doesn't get defensive stats yet, as Jonas mentioned. I want to ask you guys quickly, though, about the next guy, DeAndre Hunter. He's forty-six percent roster, but he's been dropped in a lot of leagues after a slow start, missed the Hawks last game. They're four and eight, a really rough start for them overall coming off their great playoff run. I was reading on The Athletic uh recently an article by Chris Kirshner, how a number of guys are still working their way back into shape after offseason surgeries. That includes Hunter. So this is a long winded way of saying I think he's still a stash for me. I don't I think we may be weeks away from like prime hunter numbers. And similarly for some of these other guys like Capella who struggled, but I am picking up and stashing Hunter if he gets dropped in any leagues of mine. Your thoughts?
3: I completely agree. I mean, he's coming off a serious knee injury. That takes a long time to get ramped up. A per- perfect example is Jerry Jackson Jr. It took him months to get back to full strength. Mm-hmm. So um, Hunter, you got to sit on for another month. But then after that, I mean, last year he was putting up top 80 numbers. I think even higher before the injury too. So Higher before the injury, yeah. Yeah, he even added skills and blocks to his fancy game. And that was our biggest complaint about Hunter. Um, for like the last few years, is they didn't have defensive tasks. he actually started bringing them to the game. Uh, was one of the best shooters in the NBA um last year before the injury, obviously. But yeah, I'm I'm sitting on Hunter for another month, and I think it's going to pick it up very soon.
2: I'm in take it or leave it mode with all the Hawks except for Trey Young and John Collins. Like they're just they're too deep, and somebody is always buzz killing somebody else's numbers on that team, and. I like Hunter. I like Hunter a lot. I like his game. He's a better shooter than I thought he was going to be. But if he's sitting out there, like he's sitting on waiver wire in a couple of my leagues, and I just haven't done it yet. But, I mean, I'm not saying I wouldn't, but I'm not feeling like I have to have him on my team. Also, the Hawks go 3-4, 3-2 over the next four weeks. That is not
1: promising. That's rough. That's good for them in real life. Less games. The less games, the better right now, the way they're playing. (laughs) The less we have to watch. Ah. I still watch, Steve. But yeah, I hear you. It's been tough. I do too. It's It's been tough. Self-torture. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review the podcast as well. We are here every weekday during the regular season. And on Monday, we'll be back with some takeaways from the weekend, possibly a few more waiver wire pickups, if any surface. So in the meantime, check out Jonas's waiver wired column on NBC Sports Edge. Thanks to everyone for listening and watching live. Steve, Jonas, thanks to you guys. I'll see you next week. Thank you. See ya.